Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Dolphins and welcome into the Wednesday, November the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we'll briefly cover the All-22 before I welcome my guest from the Locked On Bills podcast, and I'll weigh in on this Baker Mayfield situation with Hugh Jackson and how it relates to choosing your franchise quarterback. But first, really quick, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at WinkfulNFL. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com and, of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I have a busy show, so we're not going to waste any more time. That's another Miami Dolphins and first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. And we're going to start this podcast a little bit differently today, talking about a non-Miami Dolphins issue, but it does tie back into the Fins. So stay with me here for just a second. And if you follow me on Twitter, which if you listen to the show, I would imagine you do, you saw me post some disparaging videos regarding game management and urgency from the Dolphins offense on Sunday. And when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, I've always liked him. I've always liked what he offers physically. I think he's a good guy. I know he's a nice guy because he's very respectful in the media. He works his ass off to perfect his craft. So why isn't he great? Why isn't he in the discussion of elite quarterbacks? He has the tangibles. He works hard. Isn't that all it takes? This is the toughest thing to delineate in all of sports. What makes a great quarterback? Well, I think you can look to Baker Mayfield, not only as the next great quarterback in the league, but one that makes some of those traits, those tough to peg traits, even more identifiable. And they are this competitiveness. The guy wants to win. You can feel it in the huddle. He has a fire about him. He brings that attitude, that workmanlike mentality to practice to the games every single day and it permeates throughout the course of his team his locker room and the huddle the feel for the game the understanding that I'm in certain situations I got to make certain things happen like when a quarterback goes up and sneaks it on third and one or tries to get a quick count on the defense to get him jump off sides just understanding situations and being aware of general game theory and I know this is kind of a low-hanging fruit but you go back to Ryan Tannehill not knowing which teams were in which divisions. That to me tells me he didn't watch professional football, probably didn't watch a lot of football on TV to begin with. And that's kind of the thing you need to have in your back pocket to be a fan of the game, to understand what others have done before you in the game. Every sport I ever played, it was baseball and basketball. Coaches always told me to watch certain guys, watch certain plays, watch this game. What do they do on certain things? I picked up a lot of things from watching college basketball. When I was a varsity basketball player in high school, you You can do the same thing in football, whether it's a coach, a player, a quarterback, whatever it is, you can find out a lot by watching other guys. And it's kind of an inherent trait in a young kid, having that general feel for the game and understanding the finer points of the game. And then lastly, just the confidence that he permeates, like I mentioned, throughout the course of the locker room, in the huddle. He definitely influences the other guys on his team. They believe in him. That chip on his shoulder is something he will have forever. It motivates him. And just as when he grabbed his crotch at Kansas last season, Baker is now in some hot water for his comments post-game Sunday, and it was basically over Hugh Jackson taking the Bengals' job when he didn't have to as far as money goes, and there's a bunch of arguments about that. And I think where I can see the other side of this argument that Hugh, that Baker was in the wrong is that he went 
after Hugh in the media talking about the play calling. But even then, that tops Marcus Mariota talking about focusing on the next game, one game at a time, a cliche machine, or Russell Wilson and his entire spiel. I love the authenticity. I love the competitive fire and how he used the motivation throughout the course of the week to play the best game of his career. Question is antics all you want, but Baker, in addition to having the physical traits, is a fucking stud in the intangible department, and he'll be the best quarterback in the NFL in five years. You can write that down and put my name on it. So that's something I believe Miami has to identify. Open these prospects up. Find out what makes them tick. Talk to their college and high school teammates, trainers, support staff. You have to find out about the person because that's the difference between a middling quarterback and a superstar. We can all see the traits with the big arm, the accuracy, the escapability, but find out about the person and that's how you find your superstar quarterback. Okay, that took up a lot of time on the podcast. We're going to get to the All-22 real quick before I bring on my guest on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here on the Wednesday edition, the crossover edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And talking about quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill made his return to the game, to the lineup on Sunday's game against the Colts. And I thought he mostly played pretty well. The plan was very conservative. I love they use a lot more 12 and 13 personnel in this game, more than they have in any other game as far as passing plays goes. And they allowed themselves some creativity and some tendency breakers in that way. So a good plan from Adam Gaze to open up. It's just too bad the play calling bogged down at the end. And even though a lot of the throws were underneath and safe throws, he did connect on two out of three throws beyond 20 yards and looked good in doing that. The first play of the game specifically, most of the Dolphins yards came after the catch. But Ryan Tannehill, no turnovers, two touchdowns, made one off-script play. I had him down for three misses out of 24 throws and three potential errors in terms of reading the defense. So all things told, a good showing from Tannehill in his first game back. The offensive line, there was really just one weak point. Ted Larson is so bad, he has to, he can't play. You, you got him, get him off the lineup. He cannot get in there. Even when he's a backup, he needs to be inactive. Even Isaac Asiata would be better at this point. The tackles, Tunzel and James both played really well. I thought Jake Brendel played a good game. The running backs, Frank Gore looking sharp as ever. Kenyon Drake had some issues with his balance in the game, but his big playability, the 13 touches, 96 yards, two touchdowns. You can see it every week. He needs more action. On the defensive side of the ball, the linebacker play was atrocious. Kiko Alonso had his worst game among many bad games. And I posted the film for all you guys that don't believe me. Go ahead and check it out at Leafle NFL on Twitter. Plenty of plays of Kiko getting washed out, making a poor read, getting blocked 20 yards downfield. The guy can't play football. Rayquan McMillan had a very bad game in coverage, seems to get lost, doesn't know how to pass off in zone. He is a disaster right now as well. Jerome Baker plays really well above all those guys. By far the best linebacker on the roster. The defensive tackles are struggling big time right now. Even Devon Godshaw is having a tough time. Sylvester Williams and Ziggy Hood, they can't get it done. They are street free agents and they're playing like it. The cornerbacks, lastly, Xavier and Howard, the two interceptions. Check out the videos on my Twitter timeline. He is fantastic. Such a good player. We're so lucky to have him. And Minka Fitzpatrick, even though he had a rough day, he showed some grit and some toughness against T.Y. Hilton in some good coverage instances. So even though he got beat, had some good plays as well. So, the All-22 was mostly positive, a lot of negatives, obviously, defensive scheme being the big one there. But let's go ahead and turn the page on that game, and we'll bring on my guest next to talk about the Buffalo Bills. But first, a word from Blue Chew. And whether you need the performance boost or you're looking to take your game to the next level, you can increase that performance and get the extra confidence you need with BlueChew.com. That's blue, not red, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships direct to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the U.S., and since it prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And joining the show now is a friend of the podcast, but a foe of the team. He hosts the Locked On Bills podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin Masseri. Kevin, what's happening, my man? Hey, not much, man. Glad to be. Love these crossovers, so excited to get this one as another divisional game. Yeah, they are the best episodes we do every week, in my opinion, getting tons of insight from the other team's Locked On hosts, and that's kind of the goal of the Locked On Podcast Network here is to give everybody the best coverage locally, but also nationally of everybody's favorite team. So here we are talking about the Bills. Dolphins coming off a disappointing loss on Sunday. Bills coming off a big win, kind of shutting Jalen Ramsey up for the rest of the league, so we appreciate that. And you know, Kevin, I normally approach these crossovers a bit different than I think some of the other hosts do. I like to talk about the matchups that are specific to the game, but I think I kind of want to adopt our colleagues approach in this one and kind of get a general landscape of the Bills in this podcast since you guys are a divisional foe. And the most important asset to your team obviously out there in Western New York is Josh Allen. Now I was a lot higher on Josh Allen than most during the draft process. I know he missed some time. He's been back for one game now, but what can you tell us about his development in year one in the offense up there? I, I mean, Josh Allen's a very interesting, as you mentioned, a polarizing prospect. It was originally here in Buffalo as well. Um, a guy that you took fans and you're probably 50, 50 split. You took analysts, probably not 80, uh, 20 toward negative toward Josh Allen. Um, he does have his supporters, but I believe he has developed faster than many thought. Um, he obviously, if you've, Obviously, most people have probably seen the Draft Academy, and if not, check it out on ESPN. Um, you know, it features five or six close prospects, and, and Josh Allen was one of them. You saw him develop his footwork uh, with Jordan Palmer, um, and you can vastly see the differences in training camp. He came out a, a lot more ready than people thought. He looked had a great preseason. To me, won the job uh, originally in week one. Uh, the Bills wanted to, to, to roll with a bat quarterback. They just picked the wrong one. And Nathan Peterman, who's now a free agent, a uh, guy that I'm not sure is going to make a practice squad, let alone an active roster here. Um, they did get it right, tr- luckily grabbing Matt Barkley um, to be his backup quarterback. That worked out well as they trounced the Jets uh, two weeks ago before the bye. So, I mean, Josh Allen's developed uh, exceptionally. I mean, he just gets along in the community. He's pumping up the crowd the entire game uh, in, in the midst of like a middle linebacker. I mean, he's sneaky athletic. He's way more athletic than I think even people that thought he was athletic uh, thought he was. Um, you know, he ran for 100 yards here on Sunday uh, and, and looked every bit the part. He stretches the defense with, with a dime to our undrafted free agent receiver, Robert Foster. Um, I mean, the team's just better when he's playing, and that's remarkable for a lot of people who said that the guy should sit. Yeah, you sold me on Jordan Palmer. I love the stuff that he does with quarterbacks, especially on the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah. So good stuff there for sure. And speaking of the offense, obviously it's had its struggles, but I don't think that you know it would have taken an expert to forecast that coming into the year. You guys 
because you're you're a little bit thin in the skill positions. The offensive line had a lot of losses in the offseason. But what would you say, Kevin, is the single biggest issue on offense, and what is the biggest priority come March slash April for the Bills? Uh, offensively, you're probably – it was deep threats, and they actually went out and addressed it. They did whatever they could to go and elevate Robert Foster, um, go out and sign Isaiah McKenzie, the, the guy they were tracking from Denver for, for a year and a half, um, a player they tried to claim off of um, their practice squad twice, and finally the Broncos tried to put him back on, and the Bills finally grabbed him with their pretty high uh, waiver claim at that point and signed Deontay Thompson. They, they went with uh, trial prior for a little bit. And I think they finally have it right at this, at the, at the wide receiver position, finally scratched six round pick Ray Ray McLeod, who didn't present much of anything. They thought he would be kind of a dynamic uh, weapon. Uh, he just doesn't have it. And, and Zay Jones started to come on a little bit too. Uh, and they, they took away snaps from Calvin Benjamin. So I'm actually okay at the wide receiver position. I would imagine they go out and spend, uh, probably some money on, on a free agent that they deem. They tried to sign John Brown last year on a three-year, $15 million deal. I think you'd see something similar with the Bills this offseason at the receiver position. But I think the biggest downfall is their run blocking. Um, the pass blocking has actually been okay, and it's been okay in past weeks. Josh Allen wasn't sacked. Uh, they did a really good job of Matt Barkley two weeks prior. Um, pass block and, and by PFF does grade out really well um, to much of a surprise. It's run block. They cannot get anything going. I mean, uh, LaShawn McCoy is looking at three guys in his face and granted the bills played, I think eight of the top 11 defenses so far. Um, and LaShawn McCoy just couldn't get going. So he's part of their plans. They've already said it a couple times. They're going to pay, pay him $9 million next year. Again, he's a guy that when he's going, he's going. Um, so I would imagine it's going to be looking at run blocking, probably a right tackle, uh, and a right guard. I would imagine they go out and spend money on uh, and or high draft picks on both. A lot of teams this offseason are just in general looking for offensive line play across the league. Travis Wingfield, Kevin Massari here with you guys on the Crossover Wednesday podcast, talking Dolphins and Bills on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And Kevin, we're just about two years completely into the Sean McDermott era. Can you tell us about some of his pros and cons so far and kind of what his approval rating is out there in Buffalo? Sure. I'm, I'm glad you asked. I'm probably a good a good person to, to kind of judge Sean McDermott. I am actually straight down the middle on him. Um, so you're going to get a little bit of both. Uh, the pros, he gets his team ready. I mean, his team's pumped up. They play for him. He gets the most out of his talent. A lot of people, <laughs> there was an article that called him a coach of the year candidate because of how bad the roster is yeah. and uh, how many games they've already won. Many thought they would win zero. Sure. Um, many predictions between zero and two. Uh, they've, they're already at obviously four. <laughs> Um, and still very much in the heat of it with some bad opponents uh, after the Dolphins uh, coming up. Uh, still have the Lions and the Jets. Um, so I would say he gets his team ready. His team plays for him. Um, he, there's no nonsense. Um, he, he does have this mantra of of a guy that is a, is a coach. I mean, he's going to be just a player's coach, excuse me. And that's, I think something that is really well respected in the locker room. I mean, he got, he has guys that will, will bend over backwards. And uh, it speaks to volumes. Like when they're uh, claiming guys like Isaiah McKenzie, um, who's going in and playing way better than he did in Denver. And, and you'll hear him in a post-game interview saying it's, you know, this team wanted me, um, this coaching staff, someone I want to play for. So those are kind of the pros you bring some of the negatives. I mean, sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll put a bizarre game plan together. Um, one that I, Sometimes he'll limit his quarterback. Sometimes he'll want to, you know, to, to throw it deep. I mean, Josh Allen, when he was playing early in the year, they had some interesting offensive play calls going in that, in a few of those games defensively. I mean, he took risk. He took risk last week against Jacksonville, a, a team that's, you know, ranked second defensively, uh, first in pass D. 
they're run, you know, they were run blitzing the entire game and it killed them. I mean, Leonard Fournette wasn't, it wasn't like he was, you know, running down their throats. He was just running through open holes that the bills were missing on run, uh, run blitzes. Um, so, you know, he still struggles as a head coach, in my opinion, he's had, I believe it's I can't, five or six, 20 plus point losses of his, of his losses. Yeah. So when he loses, he loses. Um, and I think, I mean, I guess last week was a three point game against Jacksonville, but you only have three games this season that the bills have been in one possession games. I just published a column on Monday talking about Adam Gaze in the exact same vein about him losing games by a bunch and barely winning narrow margins when they do win. And I have to bring this up while I'm having the podcast, Kevin, because I was so confident in the Dolphins being better than people expected and confident in the Bills having a rough year this year. And somebody on Twitter mentioned something about the Bills winning double the games of the Dolphins. And I put myself out there and said, if the Bills double up the Dolphins win total, I will eat a shoe, a literal shoe. I'll eat it on air and publish it for you guys. Luckily, even if the Bills went out and the Dolphins lose out, that cannot happen. So my diet remains non-shoe-like <laughs> for the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, Kevin, speaking of Sean McDermott, we all know he's a defensive coach, and he has that feisty Bills defense playing pretty damn well. On the other side of the podcast, we'll talk about that on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here at Weekful NFL, at Locked On Fins, and at Kevin Masari. And we are back on the Wednesday crossover edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. My guest is Kevin Masari of the Locked On Bills podcast. And Kevin, we left off talking about Sean McDermott and the Bills defense. And I want to get into some of the individuals of that defense. And last year, it was the secondary that really carried the Bills into the postseason, whether it was Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and my favorite personal corner in the entire 2017 draft class, Trey White, who is just awesome in my opinion. How has that group progressed for you in year two? So the group got better, weirdly enough, by the addition of nickel cornerback Taron Johnson, um, fourth-round pick, small school guy, um, and he just fit right in in the nickel, a position that was a major, major hole for the Bills last year. They added him to that secondary. Trey White's now shadowing everyone's wide receiver one, um, and the safeties are, are another year together, a lot of good chemistry. Um, it, it, it's still a very, very, very strong unit. They're plugging in an a undrafted free agent from uh, Alabama, a walk-on in Levi Wallace right now. He had two solid games back-to-back. Uh, only catch that he's allowed so far was a deep throw to Dante Moncrief that led up that major fight that you all saw on yeah. Sunday. Um, and it was a 50-50. I mean, you don't, we don't we still know who caught that ball. Um, it looked like Wallace had more of it, but obviously they gave, they gave it to the uh, to the catcher on that specific play. But I, he's been good. Um, so they've been interesting. And, and honestly, it's probably easy for him when you have Trey White on the other side and a solid nickel corner and two safeties behind you that are pretty good. Um, so it's been a really good plan to develop a guy that they've designated. They've gone through a couple cornerback twos, one retiring at halftime in Vontae Davis. Um, and then <laughs> and then you have uh, Philip Gaines, a guy that. They thought could be the guy. Um, they, they just caught him, though. I, I do like that about Sean McDermott. Said, you know what? He's not a cornerback, too. Let's get rid of him. Let's play this undrafted. And it ended up being a good move. Um, so that was a strong move to to move to theirs. But their secondary is very strong, um, leading the league, obviously, number one in pass defense. Um, and uh, you'll see it on Sunday. Have you seen that Vontae Davis fan duel commercial? I have, and it's so funny because within Bill's <laughs> within Bill's culture, you have so many like arguments on both sides, and I think it's like really funny about you have some people saying, "Well, that's really poor taste," like uh, making fun of you know leaving your team at halftime and, and, and sure. betting, and then you have the other half that just that that kind of just do do think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Just the way he approached it, I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, and then you mentioned the, that t- that tangle up they had there with the Leonard Fournette fight and uh, Shaq Shaq Lawson over there at the in that game. Jeez, easy for me to say. The thing the thing that I 
I found funny about that was that they were tangling for that ball while everybody was throwing down. Like they were still going after the ball during. And the it was still questionable part. who had it. That's yeah. what made that play even. You know, that made that play great. And that was the forgotten part of that whole thing was that they didn't look at it. I, I I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably 50-50 and would have gone to Moncrief, um, but there was a chance Levi Walls had that ball. So um, it was a very interesting play from cradle to grave. It was on a second and ten, but Blake Bortles hadn't completed a pass really at, the, at that point in the last uh, part of the third quarter. So um, it was a lucky play, but at the same time, it just went to to hell after that. Well, you guys brought the end of the Blake Bortles era. I think I think it's pretty safe to say he's out in Jacksonville going forward. But Kevin, we have a few minutes left on the podcast here. I want to get a couple of quick fire questions for you. Just real brief answers. Ready for that? Sure. Let's okay. go. First question here. Your initial impression of rookie Tremaine Edmonds. Developing. I think he has a little bit to go. Um, you can see the talent. Um, he's actually, to me, as raw as Josh Allen. Um, you see the pros and you, and you see where he needs to develop a little bit still. But he's going to be a guy that's going to be a middle linebacker in the NFC East for a while. That's what happens when you're 19 years old. you got a, definitely <laughs> a lot of room to grow there. And how about, exactly right. How about Hitman Harry, Harrison Phillips? He was awesome at Stanford. I'm a, I'm a Pac-12 guy, so I saw a lot of him at Stanford. I think he's he's came on strong. I mean, he's been a good rotational defensive tackle in, in a unit that's been pretty good, you know, adding in former Dolphin Jordan Phillips, <laughs> um, who, who's played pretty well yeah. here, a guy that we like as a third or fourth defensive tackle. So you had the two Phillips, brother, Phillips brothers there behind the starting defensive tackles, and um, I, I think he's coming along. I mean, I think he's just, to me, as good as someone like Taven Bryan, first-round pick for Jacksonville. So um, got to see him both in person. So. I, I, I'm pretty happy so far with a late third round pick. Yeah, if you get Jordan Phillips motivated, you can get a hell of a player, but I would be very sure. wary of giving him a contract because he rests on his laurels big time. Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay, so another question here for you. Where is the bulk of the Bills pass rush coming from this year? Everywhere. That's what makes it interesting. Okay. I mean, you're getting edge rushing from Jerry Hughes, um, Trent Murphy when he's playing. Shaq Lawson's been pretty good, only had a couple sacks, but is, is playing really solid football. Uh, so far for this team, Lorenzo Alexander still getting after Kyle Williams up the middle. Um, and they all credit it to Star Latule, a guy who just has like nine tackles or something like really pedestrian. But every single player so far has, has credited him on the ability to free up those those edge rushers. Um, so you're going to get it from anyone rushing on the edge for the Bills. Okay, so we got to break the streak here, possibly. Got to ask you the final question. I have a streak going on the podcast on the Crossover Wednesday podcast. Let's see if you break it. What is your okay. prediction for the game on Sunday? So it's a, I'm going to break a trend. Um, <laughs> you can probably guess what it is. Uh, uh, I, I actually can't, but I will say in Miami, Tannehill's back. I'm going to go Miami 24, Buffalo 21. You broke the streak. That's the first guess I've had that picked against their own team. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how about this? I picked the Bills to beat the Jets. Um, and this actually, I went two in a row with Jacksonville. I thought it would be a good game plan for them. Um, but prior to that, I had not picked the Bills. At all? The whole year? The whole year, man. That's I incredible. thought they had a really challenging schedule. Um, no favorable matchups. Josh Allen was then out after the the tough games until he got back to that Jets and that J- Jacksonville game. I had not picked it. So I, I'm actually pretty good. So right now I think I'm like 10 and two or whatever it would be nine and two. Um, so far, picking four against the Bills. Well, that's good to hear because we catch, 
I think we catch a bit of reputation as a homer network, and I try not to be that way. I was pretty high on this team coming into the year. As far as like a 9-10 win team, I've kind of pulled the brakes back a little bit with all the injuries, obviously Tannehill going out. But it's good to hear that, you know, like, I mean, every game it's been like, oh, Dolphins are going to get smoked. I'm just like, dude, like, take take a little bit more perspective into the game. So good to hear it. Great stuff, as always. Again, he is Kevin Masari, host of the Lockdown Bills podcast. You can find him on Twitter, pretty simple handle, at Kevin Masari. Kevin, thanks for joining me on the podcast, man. It was a lot of fun, and we'll talk to you again here in about a month. Sounds good. Talk to you guys soon. And there he goes, Kevin Massari of the Lockdown Bills podcast. Always a great time on the crossover Wednesday editions of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network as we get terrific insight from the other teams the Dolphins face throughout the course of the year. But as for this podcast, that is going to be my time today. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.